Looking for a graduation gift to inform, inspire, and encourage? When you give a subscription to Christianity Today, you're giving redemptive, relevant news and thoughtful balanced dialogue about the church, current issues, and public theology. Visit orderct.com slash graduate gifts to get a discounted student subscription for the graduates in your life. Starting at only $2 per month, this gift will engage and grow their faith throughout the year. Click the link in the show notes or visit orderct.com slash graduate gifts to order now. This is the Church Law Podcast, where you can get practical solutions for today's leaders. I'm your host, Erika Cole, the church attorney. Welcome back to the Church Law Podcast. My name is Erika Cole, known as the church attorney, and I'm the creator of the Church Attorney Legal Audit System, a proprietary process for denominations and churches to assess their health from a legal perspective. Learn more and download your free legal audit document checklist found in the show notes. I'm thrilled to be your podcast host, and I want to thank each of you for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, your five-star ratings and positive reviews so that other church leaders like you can find this invaluable resource would be greatly appreciated. As you know, I feel strongly about creating an increasing body of resources for churches and the professionals who serve them so that congregations and their leaders can rest assured that their legal house is in order. Um, The Church Law Podcast has been such a blessing to be able to share with you, and I appreciate each of you who listens. And I've got to say that this topic today is one that I'm particularly passionate about I know, I feel like I say that every time, but there's so many good things to be able to share um, and ways to be a blessing to churches, I think. And this whole idea of um, board members and church governing boards, I think is just a critical area. So today we're talking about five things every board member should know. Five things every board member should know. So I'm going to hop right in. When you are elected or appointed to a board on your church, so whether that governing board is called the Board of Elders or the Board of Trustees or the Board of Directors, whatever that name might be, it is certainly an honor, but it's not just an honor. It is a position that comes with legal responsibilities and liabilities. And so we would generally, from a legal standpoint, reference a board member as a fiduciary. A fiduciary is a person who serves in a role of responsibility um, and acting on behalf of the church. So it's really critical that board members know what's expected of them and have the training to fulfill those duties and to recognize the potential risk that are involved, the potential risk that exists if those duties aren't fulfilled. So out of all persons who have a role within the church, so there are a number of roles of criticality, right? Obviously the pastoral role, roles of elders and everyone in the ecclesiastical 
component of church operations. And then when we look at board service, these are individuals who are on really it's it's a legal position in large part. So the board members really benefit from greater legal protection when they're following these established legal principles. So the first matter as relates to the five things that I would want every um, board member to know is that you are a fiduciary. You're a fiduciary under the law and your service, your role comes with certain legal responsibilities and liabilities. So it's really critical that, you know, we just start off with an awareness of that. Number two of what every board member should know is where do you find the information that board members need to know, right? So I'm telling you that legally as a fiduciary, there's certain things that you need to know. There's information that you need to know. There's information that you're accountable for. So where do you find that information? Well, we're going to talk about that. Number one is this information is within the the statutory laws of the state where your church is located. So the state where your church is located, where your church has been formed, has rules and regulations around everything from how the church is formed to the board members, the number of board members that need to be on a board, to even the question that I get often, whether the pastor should be on the board. These are the kinds of things that are found in the state statutes, and that's why we call it statutory law. So I would really encourage you to look at the regulations that are in your state to have a better sense of the requirements for your church board. So that information is found in statutory law or state regulations. Additionally, that information is found probably not surprising, with the Internal Revenue Service. There are certain expectations that tax-exempt organizations have a board and that that board operates, another fun term, as a disinterested board, right? So in other words, when the board is managing the legal and financial affairs of the church, It's important that the board isn't made up exclusively, for example, of family members. That expectation is very much established on the the federal level. So when we talk about board composition, as in who should be on the board, when we talk about the legal requirements of board service, we wanted to examine matters both on the state and federal level. And then there's just good practices, just good practices of a healthy functioning board. And those practices include how board meetings are run and the making sure that there are proper meeting minutes that are taken, that there is a proper board resolution when a significant decision has been made. And so all of these elements of how a 
board can get the information it needs in order to function well. We want to consider, again, the state level, the federal level, and then good governance practices in general. Thirdly, it's important that board members know their fiduciary duties. So what should every board member know? Number three is know your fiduciary duties. We've talked in the very early opening of this podcast about being a fiduciary, but what are those fiduciary duties? Well, some of them are to act in good faith, to act in good faith. And that means that the board member is operating in a way that they are showing responsibility and good faith toward the organization itself. So making sure that there is not a conflict of interest, for example, that the board member is acting in good faith and in working toward ensuring that what they are doing, the services that they are providing are to the benefit of the church of the organization and not in any way harmful. This also is a reflection of coming to board meetings with a level of preparedness, a level of knowledge around what board service entails, et cetera. So acting in good faith is critical. And then the duty of care. The duty of care, again, is recognizing that the organization or the church is an entity that requires careful management. So that duty of care is having an awareness of what the needs are of the organization, what the vision is of the leadership, the ways in which your church and organization is uniquely positioned to serve the people that God's called you to serve. So that duty of care toward the organization is critical. Also, the duty of loyalty. So that means that as you are providing service to the church, as you're providing your board service, that you are doing so in a way that highlights the need of the organization over your own desires. That also is where a conflicts of interest policy comes in. So right now I would see, I would pause and double check, does your church or organization have a conflict of interest policy in place? That is an expectation that every board has a conflict of interest policy. In fact, if you were to complete an application for recognition of exemption for tax-exempt status, one of the questions that's asked is, does your organization have a conflict of interest policy? And this is particularly important because there's a saying that I often repeat, which is good fences make good neighbors. Right? When we understand where the boundaries are of operation, that allows individuals to better operate within those boundaries. The conflicts of interest policy is really meant to highlight and help individuals on the board to know, number one, what is a conflict? And usually when we talk about conflicts of interest, we're talking about financial or fiscal conflicts. So being able to identify when a conflict arises, number two, what to do when a potential conflict arises. Because a part of knowing whether there's a conflict, again, is examining what it means and then 
examining what we do with the conflicts that may include the individual with the potential conflicts recusing him or herself or being recused from the meeting. Also being able to identify whether this financial conflict is truly a conflict. I I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole of what a conflict is, but having a conflict of interest policy really helps to avoid any hazards around lack of a duty of loyalty or any particular financial arrangements that could perhaps not be in the best interest of the organization. All right, so we've covered three of the five things that every board member should know. Number four is to know when to access expert advice. So I feel so strongly about having a board composition that ensures that as best you can, you're surrounding your organization with individuals, each of whom brings something unique and excellent to the boardroom, right? So when you have professionals who have backgrounds perhaps of service, when you have individuals maybe who are closely aligned with the mission of your organization, individuals who are willing to both contribute financially themselves as well as rally others to contribute to the vision. I mean, these are all fantastic characteristics of board members. And at the same time, while board members can be excellent resources, sometimes it's best and necessary to engage an outside expert. So knowing when it might be time to engage an outside expert is really important. And so, for example, legal services. I mean, I'm a lawyer, so I guess I'll just particularly mention, sometimes I've seen situations where a board member might be sitting on a church board or other organization and They certainly have the credentials as an attorney, but their practice area may be family law or criminal law, or maybe they work specifically with the SEC, a government attorney, but they don't have knowledge specific to church law or church operations. That's an example where that individual will probably recommend having outside counsel who can provide expert advice that is particular to this area of practice. Another example might be insurance. So certainly I would want to every church to have the level of insurance. In fact, we're going to have letting the cat out of the bag a little bit, but one of the things that we're going to be talking about this season is about insurance for churches, how much and what kind. So listen up for that upcoming episode. But insurance is another area where you might want to get outside expert advice. What kind of insurance is necessary, particularly in your area, not just directors and officers insurance, which is critical, but also other kinds of liability insurance, et cetera. So knowing when to get expert advice and advice outside of the board itself, I think is a critical component for every board member to know. And then finally, onboarding and ongoing training are essential. This is the fifth thing for every board to know. It's been my experience sometimes that church boards don't have a designated onboarding system to bring on new board members. And this can cause confusion for the new board member and also mean that they function at less of an exceptional level than they would 
want to or would do otherwise. So one of the questions I want you to ask is, does your church have an onboarding process? Does your church provide regular board training? Consider these things if you don't currently. And I'm also going to pop in the show notes an episode that touches on some of the ways that things can go awry when the church doesn't have regular board training or maybe runs into some difficulties around this area of board service. One episode is the rise and fall of Mars Hill and what you should consider. You may have listened to that amazing podcast series, the rise and fall of Mars Hill. And I had the podcast host with me as we were talking about things to take away from that experience. Another episode was why church meetings go off the rails. Even though this is specifically related to church meetings, it does touch on board governance also. And so I just want to encourage you to consider each of these areas that every board member should know and allow your church to examine ways in which you can strengthen this particular area of importance. Thank you so much. And I'm glad that you were here with me for this latest episode. For listening. I'm happy to be your host, Erika Cole, the church attorney and creator of the Church Attorney Legal Audit System, my four-step proprietary process that helps churches and denominations assess their legal risk. Set the tone for integrity in your church and download your free copy of the Legal Audit Document Checklist using the link in the show notes below and learn more at erikacole.com. That's E-R-I-K-A-C-O-L-E.com. podcast is brought to you by Church Law and Tax, part of Christianity Today's podcast network. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that the host and the publisher are not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, or other professional services. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional person should be sought. Due to the nature of the U.S. legal system, laws and regulations constantly change. Listeners are encouraged to consult with legal counsel to verify the information provided here remains current. Visit churchlawandtax.com for more insights.